0: For our message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Matthew Steele entitled, Yours is the Kingdom. Thank you, Reg. Hello. Hello. What a beautiful sight all of our family together and our extended family together and our new extended family together with our visitors. It's so uh, beautiful to have everybody here on this special day. You know, we do this every year. We set aside a day. Uh, It seems like maybe we only set aside one day a year, but that's not really true, to celebrate our youth, to focus on them a little bit because they need the focus. as otherwise they get up to all kinds of things. No, but seriously, we, we set aside this day, don't we, to, to celebrate them. And to celebrate their accomplishments. And as Renee and Kim and Chrissy were encouraging us, to just stop and pause and think about how we can feed into the lives of these young people. And it's good that we do this. It's good that we celebrate this. And it's something, as I say, we do every year. Because when we are doing this, we are saying this to each and every young person. We're saying this very important thing. We love you. That you are special. That you are unique. That you are wanted by us, by God, by all of your family. We delight in you. That is what this day is about. You guys feeling a little uncomfortable? Don't love on me too much, Dad. Get off. But that's what we're saying. You are special. We are glad that you are ours. We are so glad that you are a part of our lives. We couldn't imagine Life without you. We just could not imagine life without you. Within our individual families, within this church family. As parents, grandparents, and family of the church, that's what we are saying. Now, you might not realize, as I, I said before, that we actually do this more than once a year. Because while you may not see it, parents and grandparents, every time they drag you to church, they are saying these same thing. Every time they are instructing you out of the Word of God, out of the wisdom that they have learned, that we have learned, every time we are engaging with you in life and, and trying to direct you in healthy, productive ways and give you the benefit of our mistakes and of our experience and of our wisdom, we are saying the same thing. And it may not feel like that's what we're saying. And maybe we don't always say it with a loving tone. How many of you have perfect parents that never say anything in an angry voice? Oh, Benjamin wants something. He put his hand up. every time we instruct you in the scriptures, every time we comfort you when you're hurt or you're troubled or you're concerned about something in life, every time we cherish you for the children of God that you are, we are saying that we love you and that we are here to help you in whatever way that we can, to encourage you, to encourage your dreams. Yes, and even correct Your behavior from time to time. Each of these times, we are doing so because we love And because of what we are instructed to do in the word of God. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 13, reading from the New Living Translation, it says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch them and bless them. Lay his hands upon them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry. Not just a little ticked off. He was angry at what these disciples were doing. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who. Who are like these little children? The kingdom of God belongs to them. I tell you the truth anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and blessed them. So, first of all, I would just like to say what is wrong with the disciples? I mean, where is their thinking? That the Messiah is for adults only? That Jesus came to save the grown-ups? Why would they do this? What the parents of these children knew, intrinsically knew, they just knew, the disciples obviously did not. That when the Savior is near when the king of kings is near, when you have every opportunity, you bring your children to him. It is vital that you do so. Right now, today, is our opportunity. And tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, to bring them to Jesus. We... Our parents and grandparents, as uncles, aunts, as the adopted family of the church. We cannot be here forever. Anybody starting to feel their age? It was me and the Sean at the back. OK. You guys are all good. We can't be here forever. You know, and almost daily I'm reminded that I need to feed into my children, I need to provide for my children, I need to give them opportunity to learn and grow while I'm here to instruct them the best that I can. Because I will not be here forever. Benjamin gets mad at me when I say things like that. But who can be there forever? Who can be at their side no matter what? who can endure every situation with them in life, who can be in every moment of life when we are not there, who can be in every fear and in every pain, in every joy in every celebration their whole life through. Jesus, our Savior. No one else can be with your children like he can, with our children, and our young people, like he can. And when they are tempted to start to make decisions that are hurtful and damaging to their life, and we're not there, they will need him to guide them. They will need to have that relationship with him so they can stay on the path. There is no one but Jesus and God the Father Who can rescue them, rescue you when you fall short. Because young people, you will fall short. We wish that was not the case. But when you do, you need a Savior. You will always need a Savior. When you fall short, there is no one but Jesus and the Father who can completely love you, forgive you, redeem you, and restore you to himself. This is why your parents drag you to church every week. This is why your parents teach you out of the Word, instruct you in righteousness. This is why they want you to have that relationship and to come to Jesus so that you can turn to him, the only one that you can truly trust when you are in trouble, when you're lost, and you don't know what direction to choose. What your parents want for you is for you to be in, well, when you're five, when you're 10, when you're 15, when you're 50 years old, to be in the arms of Jesus Christ no matter what, and to receive a blessing from him. Now, obviously as parents, unlike the parents that we just read about, we can't physically bring him to you. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? That would be awesome. And in fact, after we bring our children to him like that, then we'll ask, can I sit on your knee too? Because don't we all need that? We do. But nonetheless, we're trying to do that every time, as I say, we're teaching you and guiding you and sharing with you the things that we have learned from God. And ultimately, if you don't like this as a young person, as a young adult even, if you don't like this, go talk to Jesus. Go talk to God the Father about it. Because we're just doing what we were told. You remember all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. That you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God. To keep all of his statutes and his commandments which I command you. And your son and your grandson all the days of your life. And that your days may be prolonged. Teach it to your children and your children's children. So, that's all we're doing when we are stopping you having fun. Or when we're instructing you and teaching you and cautioning you about the decisions that you make. Does God want us to not have fun? Does God want us to not be able to see the world and explore the world and and do all of these fun things that everybody else is doing? Well, yes and no. But notice he he is not saying, do these things and teach these to, to your children so that they cannot have fun. That's not what he's saying. What is he saying then? It's so that you can live long on the land. One of the things I, we tend to uh, t- tell our boys, sorry boys, I'm telling you, was that we just share with them, especially being boys, that the part of the brain that senses risk and danger doesn't work properly until you're 25 years old. You see that all the time, right? Yeah. So trust me when I say you cannot have your driver's license until you're 25 years old. <laughs> no, that's not what we say. We say when you show maturity to have a driver's license, that's when you get it. So Benjamin then decided, okay, that's fine, I'll just get my pilot's license before that. <laughs> but. It's true. I don't know what the age is of of girls. I think it's probably about 14, it seems like. Girls certainly mature much faster than boys. But it's really true. And then there was a neurological study done. When boys get together, the level of risk assessment and understanding of danger drops without alcohol. Just merely being in the presence of one another they can do some really stupid things. I did it. But there is tremendous wisdom in this room, as Renee said before. Generational wisdom. Would you say five generations? That's a lot of wisdom. I I was wondering how many hundreds and hundreds of years worth of life experience that is. And we can draw upon that And, you know, maybe mom and dad don't have every experience and every understanding, but that's why we have a church community. That's why we have an opportunity to learn from other people that are godly and that we can trust. Tremendous wisdom. Tremendous understanding of risk about life. What works and what doesn't work. And even more interesting is that all of us, sage-wise adults, are supposed to follow the same law of God. Only. And we don't always do that very well. And so even when we are trying to model how to live a godly life, our children can learn from us if we model how to repent. If we model on how to Return back to God when we struggle and when we fail and miss the mark. It's interesting, the uh, The great uh, Christian apologist, C.S. Lewis, a man who defended Christianity, said this, None can give to another what he does not possess himself. No generation can bequeath to its successor what it has not got. You may, f- uh, you may frame the syllabus as you please, but when... You have planned and reported ad nauseum. If we are skeptical, we we, we shall teach only skepticism to our pupils. If fools, only folly. If saints, sanctity. If heroes, heroism. A powerful thing, isn't it? So we as parents, as grandparents, need to understand how we are to order our life. How we are to follow Jesus. Follow the word of God and have that relationship with God so that we can model it, so that we can teach it to our children, so that we can live long on the earth, so that we can be around for as long as possible to help our children, and maybe even some grandchildren along the way. Going back to Deuteronomy, it says, Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today, shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk, shall talk of them. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be a frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts, your house and on your gates. This is what we are being instructed to do. As parents, to bring our children to Jesus, to his word, and to, as far as we can, in the strength of Jesus Christ, follow this word ourselves. We're here to model it. We're here to model this life as best we can. And then when we fail, model how we restore our relationship with God. Model how we ask for forgiveness. I remember probably the first time my dad actually asked my forgiveness when he made a mistake. I think I was about 16 years old. And we had had a really awful family vacation. (laughs) The weather was awful. We were camping. The thing about got carried away in a storm. And we just packed up early and went back home. This was no fun. And everybody was stressed. And I can't remember exactly all the details, but it was powerful to me that I was really upset by what my dad had said to me, and, and I think maybe an hour later, he came and find, found me and apologized for that mistake. And all the bitterness and the anger and the upset that I felt just went away. That is a powerful thing. Because each one of us as parents just are not going to get it right every time. And so when we don't get it right every time, model how we can make it right afterward. That can be just as powerful. And something else too. Because the young people in our household, our children... Unfortunately, know us really, really well, don't they? They know exactly how we are like, who we are, all of our foibles, and all of our successes and good qualities. But to them, I want to say this. There's only two things that separate you from your parents. There's only two things that really separate children from their parents. Any idea what that might be? Anybody has it a guess? It's not a trick question. Joseph. What'd you say? Experience, yes. Somebody else said something. Age. Age and experience. That's it. They're the only two things that separate us. Otherwise, we are just as human, aren't we? We are just as prone to failure and just as prone to success. But we do have these two vital qualities age and experience. That's important to remember. That's why the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. We just read that. That you may dwell on the earth, that you may live long on the earth, that you may have a good life on the earth and be blessed. So it's really not about giving honor and some kind of putting our parents on the pedestal, is it? It's really self-serving to honor our parents. Because by doing so, we learn from their experience and learn from their mistakes as well as their successes. That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And that's the easy part, right? That's not to provoke our children to wrath. That's tough. That's a difficult task as well. Turning back again to Mark, uh, chapter 10, verse 13. There's more in this, this scripture, this passage, this interaction between Jesus and the children. Just reminding us again, he says, Then they brought the little children to him, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. There's a specific phrase that I want to to point out here that I think is really important to understand. What I think Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom of God is theirs. the children, the young people. Theirs is the children the kingdom of God. It belongs to you already. It just belongs to you. This is how you start off life belonging to the children to the kingdom of God. You're a child of God. You are a son or daughter of the king. That's it. But how you live your life afterwards determines whether or not you stay in that kingdom. You understand that? How you live your life moving forward from now determines whether or not you stay a part of the kingdom of God. It's the same is true for each and every one of us. We have two choices. Stay in the kingdom of God or leave it and go out into the world. They're your choices. It may feel like you have just an abundance of choices and there's all kinds of gray areas here. There is not. All of us have two choices. By every choice, by every attitude, by every action and reaction to the difficulties of life, We choose whether or not to stay in the kingdom of God or go out into the world. So each day, all of us, young and old alike, we need to ask ourselves this question. Am I going to stay in the kingdom of God? Am I going to have the kingdom of God mindset today, each day, as we progress through life? You know, not all of us have a perfect home life, do we? Not all of us came from a perfect home life. We might have challenges and difficulties. Your parents may not even be the ones that brought you to church. But nonetheless, whoever brought you to church, whoever fed into you in your youth, loved you enough to try and bring you to Jesus and to his way. We have this choice stay in the kingdom of God. Go out into the world. There's a young man, we all know the story, who had the same choice. And Jesus talked about him in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. And he said, There was a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living, with wasteful living. He was living it up. He was having all the fun, enjoying all the pleasures, spending all of that, all of the things that his father had poured into him, spending it out into the world. Do you think he was hating it while he was doing that? Nope. Seems good. Feels good. Great great parties, man. This guy had parties. He was known, all of his friends, all of his friends that were friends because he had all of this money, right? That he could spend it on and buy himself some friends and buy himself... Popularity, whatever that may be. Lots of fun. And the trouble with fun is it can feed this idea that what we're doing is right. Because if it feels good, if things are going well, if we're enjoying it, it cannot be wrong. And we know the story. We spent... Everything that he had. It says in verse 14, when he had spent it all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Feed the pigs. Feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. What happened to all his friends? What happened to everything that he had spent and poured out? Just gone. And now, instead of being a a citizen of the kingdom of God, right? Remember Jesus said, the children are of this kingdom. It's theirs. And they're citizens of this kingdom. But he left the kingdom. He left that citizenship and joined the kingdom of the world. And instead of being a citizen, he wasn't even a citizen of the world, he was now a slave of a citizen of the world. The lowest of the low, feeding the pigs. He had fully embraced the world that he had chosen. And when the world had spent all of his resources, he submitted himself He had so spent every last resource that he was willing to become fully owned by somebody else. Not controlling his life. Subsistence living. These are the decisions that he made. And this is the outcome that he got. This world around us, the world outside of this community, The world outside of the kingdom of God is that world. And it is open arms for anyone that wants to step into it and empty out everything that has been poured into them. All the riches of God's grace, all the knowledge of his way, the love of Jesus Christ that has been poured into each and every one of us, it is ready and waiting to suck it out of each and every one of us. That is the world outside of the kingdom of God. It will gladly drain these things out of you and I. And then what will we be? In a spiritual desert that is designed to do one thing, take our life. We have just this choice the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the world. The Apostle Peter tells us this in first Peter chapter two and verse nine but you, you young people, kids, teenagers, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who were once not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but have now obtained mercy. Citizens of the kingdom of God. His sons and daughters. So, this is what our prodigal needed. This is what he desperately was looking for And so if we turn back to Luke 15, verse 17, it says that when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and uh, and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Had this whole speech prepared. Make me like one of your hired." I'm a servant here in the world. Maybe at least I can go be a servant in my father's house. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. It's such a beautiful story, isn't it? No matter how many times we hear this story, And if you're like me, you're imagining yourself in this role, aren't you? As prodigal, coming back to the Father. How many of us have prayed a prayer like this parable? If I can just be a servant in your kingdom. When we've strayed from the borders of the kingdom a little bit, we come back to him with prayers like this when we have fooled ourselves into thinking that we can be dual citizens. I'm a dual citizen. I hold both a British passport and a U.S. passport. I can fight and die for two countries at the same time. I'm really in trouble if they go to war against each other. But that's not really true, is it? We cannot be citizens of two countries. I cannot engage in community in England and engage in community here. It's against the law of physics. There's a big ocean in between. Just like us. We can't be citizens of two countries. We can't have one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom of God. It's not possible. It's not possible. Young people, old people, Older people. Not so quite young people. This is the same for us. For each and every one of us. We cannot live in two kingdoms at the same time. God won't allow it. He will not allow it. You know, and even an ambassador. I was thinking, well, an ambassador, he kind of lives in another country, but he's a citizen of the other country. Yeah, but where does he live? In the sovereign territory of his country, in that embassy. That's where he lives and that's where he stays. So he can be in another country, but he is immersed fully in his country with, with his country's culture and citizenship. But More than all of this, I want us to notice what happens to our wayward friend. Firstly, his dad was looking for him. We've all noticed that, right? He texted his dad ahead of time and said, I'm coming home. Is that what happened? I don't think they had text messages back then or Facebook. No, his dad saw him coming. Did he just happen to look up and see him coming? Or was he looking for him every single day that he had been gone? That's the truth he was looking for him every day. I wonder if he's coming home today. I wonder if today he'll come back to the kingdom. I wonder today if she will come back to me. That's what the father is thinking. We've read this story so many times. From Sabbath school to sermons to today. It doesn't get old for me. I don't think it should get old for you either because it's the story of every single one of us. It's the gospel in this beautiful story. It's how we restore and come back to God and relate to him. It's one way or another we have found ourselves at different times living in the wrong kingdom and then we come back to him. We found ourselves wandering across the border like when people wander across the desert and get abducted by the Iranians, right? Well, where was the border? We found ourselves crossing that border. And we have to find our way back home. And then when we do, we are not allowed to be servants. We are restored back to being sons and daughters. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 13, Says one of the elders asked me, saying, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out from great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them, and they shall neither hunger any more, or thirst any more. And the sun shall not strike them, nor any heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes this is getting into the kingdom of God this beautiful moment when we are given that robe and maybe not a ring but a crown a crown that we later cast before our saviour Now, I don't mean to paint a dark picture. This is just reality, isn't it? That we have this choice before us. That as we grow and mature from being children to young adults into adulthood, we have this choice before us. Continue in the kingdom of God or go into the world. There is no middle ground. You cannot step one foot in one and one in the other. Learn lessons from the elders around you. Learn the lessons of your parents' mistakes, like I said before, and and their successes. Take an opportunity, as Renee had talked earlier, to learn from those that have experience and wisdom. The world is a dangerous place. It is not the place that God created for us. It is the place the enemy created for us. It's the place that man has made for us. And When it has sucked everything out of us, if we let it, if we step into that world, it will eventually kill us. That's it. That's the truth of the matter. You were made live and dwell and stay in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, theirs is the kingdom of God. And as the apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith, To the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speak the truth in love, that you may grow up in all things into Him who is the Head, Christ from whom the whole body, the whole kingdom is knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working which every part does its share, causes the body, the growth of the body, for the edifying of itself in love. Not tossed around like children, not just overly emotional as children are, right? As two-year-olds can be. Just completely unreasonable. Aren't they? And somebody has told me that teenagers kind of go back into that two-year-old mode. But we are to mature and develop and become like Christ. Every single one of us. Not tossed around with this emotion and this weakness of childhood. We have the choice. The kingdom of God is already ours. We can choose to leave it. Or we can choose to stay in it and continue to grow. We can choose to stay in that kingdom or be like our prodigal friend and leave the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes I get the feeling, and maybe this was just my strange teenage mind, but... Certainly the world seems to paint it. It's kind of cool to be the prodigal son, right? It's kind of cool to be Go and do all these things that the world can provide and and enjoy everything, every pleasure that the world can give and have the best of both worlds. Right? I can go do all that. And then, then I can repent and come back to Because isn't that what the prodigal son just did? Hey, I can do that. But what is in there, in that lie, is guilt and pain and suffering that comes from choosing that world and pouring out everything that has been poured into us and the damage that it has done and the pain that we experience. not a good choice. So we should not be like the prodigal son. What is actually cooler than being like the prodigal son is being the son that stayed with the father. And I want you to kind of think about that for a second. Because, you know, there's a lot that is not great about the son that stayed. He was a little jealous, wasn't he? When his brother came back. It says now the oldest son was in the field and when he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked what all all these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound your father has killed the fatted calf. And he was angry and would not go in and therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you I've never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave me a goat that I may marry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, because he's no brother of mine, has come, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And then he said unto him, Son, you are always with me. You are always With me, all that I have is yours. That's the one I want to be like, minus the unhappy attitude. That's the one we all want to be like, minus the unhappy attitude. To have everything that the father has. You know, one of the things I love about being a dad, and there are many things, but is that I can just kind of look around and see my sons getting up to different things that they're doing about the house. And they can just pick up my tools and use them. Now, I get a little grumpy when they don't put them back in the right place. But everything that I have is theirs to you. That's beautiful. I love that. I love being able to share that. So does our Father in heaven. So does our Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything that he owns is ours. Don't be like the prodigal. He's not that cool. Be like a good son, right? Minus the bad attitude. Going back to the beginning in Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. I just want to read it again for us. It says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. So when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Just a beautiful moment. To close my message today, I'd like to do something a little bit different. I'd like to ask you all to stand. And I know some of our kids are back in the nursery, but (laughs) I would like any of you that have parents in this room to huddle around your parents. And it doesn't matter how old you are. There you go. Come on up. And what we're going to do is we're going to lay our hands on our children. And not the way that you want to when they've left all kinds of things around the house, okay? And we're going to pray a blessing on our children. We're waiting for some more to come back in here. All right. Are we ready? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bring to you today our precious children. No matter how old they are or young, we bring them to you because we love them, because we want only good for them. We want them to learn from you and to follow you all the days of their life. We ask that you bless them today. Just as you blessed the children in your arms so long ago, we ask this blessing to be upon them and upon their children and upon their children and their children that they might live long-fulfilled lives in you, Jesus. That they will stay in your kingdom. That the desires of this world will not draw them away from you, but they will be the cool kids and stay with you that they will remember that all that you have is theirs and that you will give them the desires of their hearts and that when trouble does come, that they will lean on you and trust you to guide them home where you will always be waiting to see them coming afar off. We thank you for them and pray all of this in your name. Lord Jesus, amen.